Father, we want to be a people who constantly seek your will. And Lord, we do that in, in the form of relinquishing our agenda to you. But Lord, we can look back in our lives and see that when we have tried to do it our way, we feel dirty, we feel guilty, we feel as though we are a hundred pounds of sin on a popsicle stick. But Lord, for whatever reason, we do not understand it. God, you continually forgive us. You continually bring us back to the rock which we were hewn out of. And Lord, that rock is you. We were made from you. You created us, Father. You're the one who knows the inner workings of our hearts, Lord. And for us to simply try to place something else on the throne of our life, Lord, is slapping you in the face. And today we say we want to stop that, Father. We want to give you your rightful place on the throne of our lives. God, whatever you would have for us this morning, I pray that our hearts can be open to the words that are going to be spoken, knowing, Lord, that they come from you. And there's simply just a personality up here, but Lord, it's the word of God that is changing our hearts. So, Lord, this morning, I just pray for your spirit. We don't want to move forward unless your spirit's here. We pray for a double, triple portion of that. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Good, good. So, yes, again, kind of jumping into this morning, I'm only going to be up here for about five minutes uh, because I, I think the tradition has been carried on here. Thank you so much, Bobo, for that, uh, for, for selecting Jesus Christ Fellowship to come and hang out during camp. Um, I still, as a senior pastor, have somewhat of a responsibility to be in front of the people. I kind of told you that. So what we've been going through is the book of Nehemiah. And the book of Nehemiah is unbelievable. It's about, it's not as much about leadership as as much as it is about this wall building a leader in Nehemiah. Simply put, circumstances, circumstances making a leader out of this man. And it's been amazing to be able to pick through the scripture. And what we do here at ES is we, we preach the word. Uh, it's not about Alex's opinion. It's not about Johnny's opinion or any other pastors that we have here. We let the word speak to us about what the word says. And it's been amazing. So I'm going to do the best I can to kind of segue us from Nehemiah into what is going to be brought this morning. Now, for those of you who regularly attend ES, I've been asking you guys to, to bring people to church that Asking someone in your social environment to come and sit in these seats is the way that this thing is going to get built up. With that being said, we're in a perfect place in Nehemiah to be able to look at one of the principles of that, of this bringing people to church. And it's this word that I believe that uh, my dad has been giving to you guys um, over the summer. It's, it's called neighboring. See, the only way that I'm going to get people to come to this church is if I get up out of the seat in my home that is comfortable, safe, and I go across the street and I talk to somebody who I don't necessarily see all the time, but yet they're my neighbor. What the Lord is asking us to do is to, it's a commandment, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he says what? Love your neighbor as yourself. See, that's something that he's asking us to do. It's a commandment. It's a law. 
Well, if I was to backtrack into Nehemiah just a little bit, these people get pulled out of exile for living in a way that was contrary to what God wanted them to do. They finally start to get traction. They finally start to live the way the Lord is asking them to live. And it's by way of circumstance where they just have to, here's, here's the word, they have to man up. <laughs> they got to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what, I'm not going back to that old lifestyle. Because... Every single time they went back to the old lifestyle, what they did is they prayed, they confessed, they said, Lord, I'm sorry. And then they found themselves in the same place again and again and again. Now, maybe I'm the only one in here who's ever done that in their life. No. (laughs) Confess something and then find yourself in the same place. What this body of people did is we read, excuse me, that was the entire chapter 9 of... Nehemiah. We're getting into chapter 10. Now chapter 10, the first 27 verses, excuse me, verse 38 of chapter 9, they say, we don't want to do that anymore. We don't live like that anymore. So we're going to make an agreement. We're going to draw a line in the sand and say, we're not going back there. The first 27 verses of chapter 10 is just all these names. But those names are significant. And then we get to verse 28. And it says this, it says, now the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all those who had separated themselves from the peoples of the lands to the law of God, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, all those who had knowledge and understanding. Verse 29, there it is, are joining with their kinsmen, their nobles, and are taking on themselves a curse and an oath to do this. To walk in God's law. To walk in it. Now see, there's a difference between talking about God's law and walking in it. Because when you walk in it, there's fruit. There's actual fruit in your life from saying that I'm doing more than just giving the Lord lip service. Which was giving, given through Moses, God's servant, and to keep and to observe all the commandments of God our Lord. And his ordinances and his statutes. So then we go back to this thing, this, this commandment that is love the Lord with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. What these people did is they, they said, okay, we're going to do that. We're going to stop talking about it. Because when they talked about it, it landed themselves back in the same place over and over and over again. The first 27 verses, all of these names are the people of high status in the community. Starts off with the governor. But every single one of those names is a man. And what I got to say to you guys this morning is because you're in a place of visibility, being on the CSU football team, you can be that list of names as well. Saying, you know what? I'm going to draw the line in the sand. And I'm going to do what the Lord asked me to do. Because I know what the alternative is. Amen? So that's my piece. Hopefully I didn't take too much time. Uh, it's kind of uh, a special day for me because it's the first time I get to co-preach with my dad. It's awesome. <laughs> Been watching him for 25 years. Now I get to be up here with him. So uh, let's give Pastor Johnny a warm welcome as I pass this microphone. Let's... Welcome him up here and use this. So, 
But 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 as 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 Pastor Square has has shared with you, even here at ES, is that we are talking about neighboring has been a part of our DNA, evangelism, you know, discipleship and neighboring. And and as he uses the book of Nehemiah, it talks about a group of people who were exiled came back. Now that they're a small group of people, but they're in a brand new uh, uh, a place again, and therefore that place has to be populated. And as that place gets populated, guess what they have to learn how to do? They have to learn how to neighbor. And so Jesus says something in the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John, and what we're going to do is we're going to eavesdrop on that, because it has a lot to do with the things that we're learning, and what you'll see is some of these principles will also take place in the sense of what needs to happen in our country. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read something to you, and I'm going to give you an understanding of why the title is, Who is Your Neighbor? Why is the title, Who is Your Neighbor? And neighbor, and now, now, now when you look at this in verse 25, starting in chapter 10, it says this, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and put him to the test, Jesus to the test. Now you got to understand that Jesus is in a crowd. This guy comes out of nowhere and he's a lawyer and, and he understands the law. He understands the Mosaic law and, and he begins to ask Jesus a question and he says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now you need to know it's a coherent question. And it's a, it's a coherent question because everybody wants to know how do I get involved in the benefit of the new heaven? How do I get involved in the resurrection of the new life? Well, righteousness becomes the nature of who I am. Where everything I do is done because of my relationship with God. See, I want to be involved in that. I want to have the benefit of that. Now, let me say this to you. It's a coherent question, but it comes from an incoherent heart. It comes from a heart that's trying to ask the question, now there's some things in my life that I know I should be doing and there's some things that I am doing that I, I, I may not want to do, but I want to know if it's, I'm going to be okay. And, and so Jesus responds to this guy and, and he makes a statement. Now, before I read this, I want to just read something to you and I want to make this statement. I want to ask you to think about it. When your need... For self-satisfaction, let's just say satisfying yourself outweigh relationships and your rights, your personal rights overrule responsibility and your respect for others begin to dwindle, then you cease to be a good neighbor all of a sudden you start asking the question uh, can I choose my neighbors because all of a sudden my self right becomes greater than the relationships that I'm in and, 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 and then all of a sudden the responsibility my rights begin to make those things dwindle and what happens is the respect for others begin to diminish. And, and, and what Jesus is saying is, hold on. Uh, there's some things you need to understand about why the Ten Commandments was even put together. And, and, and so Jesus re, re responds to this guy. And here's what he said. Because that lawyer is you and me asking that question. And, and then Jesus says this. He says, now... What is written in the law? What? 
And how does it read to you? Because you know, lawyer, you know the guy who have studied the Mosaic law. You know that those first four commandments, uh, have no other God before me and have no idols and keep the Sabbath and don't use my name in vain. You know, those four things were put there so that you can know how to worship me. So because of your love for me, these other six that I'm getting ready to give you is what really builds community. Because those other six says, hey, you know what? Uh, honor your mother and father. You know, give respect to those people who took the time to raise you. And you know what? Have some sexual integrity and quit messing with each other's spouses. And you know what? Why don't you quit bearing false witness and be honest and tell the truth and cop stop warning what somebody else had coveting somebody else's stuff. And why don't you just stop stealing from each other? See, Jesus is saying, lawyer, you know the answer. Because those things is what brings community, community. Those things that when I love God is going to have, it's going to be pretty easy for me to love other people. Now that lawyer knew that. And he knew better, but he had a coherent question, which I think is a great question. But at the same time, he had an incoherent heart because he was trying to get around something. And, and, and so Jesus says something to him. And watch what this guy's response is. Alex just mentioned this. The next two or three scriptures says this. And he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, I mean all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Now, you got to understand this guy. Here's what he said. But wishing to justify himself. Wishing to kind of get around the fact that that person right next to me, whether it be my wife or whether it be my husband, or whether it be my child, or whether it be the boss, or whether it be a teammate, a classmate, or whether it be the man or woman just next door, he's trying to justify himself, and then he asks the question, who is my neighbor? See, that's, 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 that's really an incoherent answer to something that is very basic. In nature, how we treat people. And I, what, what I love, what Jesus was saying so far, is this man represents society. This man represents a society that's trying to justify why we can't get along. I mean, I, I, I like him, but I don't like her. Uh, uh, you know, I, I like that guy, but he didn't come from my culture sack. I, I like that guy because he came from H-Town. The other one came from Vanilla City. Uh, do I supposed to like them too? That's what this guy is saying. And what he's basically saying here, ladies and gentlemen, is this. Do I get a chance to choose my neighbor? Do I get a chance to choose who I invest in? Do I get a chance to choose who I like? Do I get a chance to do that? And so isn't it strange that the Ten Commandments that govern the laws of man have within it codes and principles by which to govern Marriage, society, business, and all of those things. And, 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 and that's, it, God must be pretty smart. Because he knows the nature of a man. And so this guy asked this question. Then who's my neighbor? Who is he? 
See, the thing that I love about Jesus Christ in this area is that he turned his theological questions into real issues about life. And he wanted this man to know that his spiritual development was not only something that he had to deal with vertically, but it was also something that he had to deal with horizontally. And he didn't want this guy to take ethics and see that ethics was just a matter of some kind of abstract reflection. But that ethics has a lot to do with character. And it combines listening to God. And in listening to God, being sensitive to the service of people. He understood that. Jesus turned that theological question into some serious things. And you know what he didn't want this guy to do? He didn't want this guy to make distinctions when it came to the treatment of people. Or just because I'm a parent means that I can choose how I want to treat my kid. Or just because I am a landowner or the owner of property, or boss, that I can choose how I want to treat my employees. And just because she's a woman and he's a man, I can choose to treat her a certain way. And just because he or she comes from a certain geographical location that's different from mine, I get a chance to choose how I want to treat them. You know, the sad thing about the church today, and I can say that, because I'm involved with the 60 some churches here in the city of Fort Collins. I'm the executive director of the Fort Collins Church Network. Been doing that for 25 years. The sad thing about the church today is about all the places that God has given mankind for people to come in from any walk of life. They should be able to come to the church and do that. Unfortunately, that's not true. And I feel sad for her. I hurt for her. But the place that has taken on that responsibility by which people can come from many different walks of life all over the globe is the place of athletics where people are recruited from different cultures, different lifestyles. And one of these days, God bless her, the church will get back to where anybody's welcome in the door. Jesus is not going to let the church get away from that. And he's not going to let anybody get away from that. And so the reason why the title is who is your neighbor is because you and I don't get a chance to choose them. Regardless of what they believe. Regardless of how they look. You know. And God wants us to not come home and raise up the garage door let it down and the next time we see our neighbors in the morning is when the garage door comes back up and we're gone he's not gonna let us get away with that and so this whole neighboring business has a lot to do with the heart of god it has a lot to do with the law of god and when those laws are violated a society comes apart when those laws are violated a husband doesn't take the time to love his wife like he's supposed to. A wife, a husband, parents, children, neighbors, neighbors, boss, an employee. But see, Jesus is slick. So he begins to show you something in the parable of the Good Samaritan. He begins to show you something. And I'm going to go through this real quickly. 
real quickly. But there are some principles here. But I just want you to understand the beauty of this as we talk. Church, are you with me so far this morning? Just want to lay the groundwork. That's all. Okay. Now, we get into verse 30, and Jesus replied, and he knocks this thing right out of the park. He says, a certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, I want you to understand something. Jerusalem is up here. Jericho is up north, but they have to go down to get there. And anybody who knows anything about church history, everybody goes through a Jericho road. Man, it's a tough road. There's not a single person in this room at one point won't have a Jericho experience. Because here's this experience that this guy had. It says, and then he fell upon some robbers and they stripped him and they beat him and they went off leaving him dead. And there's sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, life will strip you. There's sometimes life will rob you. There's sometimes life will beat you down. There's not a single soul in this room at some point. If you haven't experienced it, it will come. Life is like that sometimes. And sometimes we don't even know that it's going on with our neighbor until we ask. And when life beats us down like that, guess what happens to us? Sometimes we believe we're the only one going through it. But if I stay arm's length with my neighbor, I'll never get a chance to be the kind of help that God wants me to be. And then he moves on and he says two things in the next two verses. And Jesus is speaking to this lawyer now. He's speaking to him privately, but he's also speaking to him publicly because everybody's listening. And then he says this. And by chance, a certain priest was going on that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, if there's anybody... And these two verses that should know any better, that's been trained to do things, that's been trained to give, that's been trained to care, that's been trained to serve. This guy looks at this guy on the ground and guess what he does? Man, he passes by. Let me tell you something. There's times in life where people will pass by other people intentionally. Because sometimes uh, the ones who know how to do it don't do it. They do. And sometimes we pass by. I know there's times where I pass by people. I don't, I don't even want to mess with them. I just want y'all, I want to be honest with you guys. I don't think your brother like that, but he gets like that sometimes. You know, I get to walk somewhere. I see this person. Oh, man. You know, see, y'all don't do that stuff. Now, I'm trying to find another route, okay? Because I don't want to deal with that person. Because I'm afraid that if I ask how they're doing, they might just tell me. And then what am I going to do then? I might just have what they need. That means I got to take time, so I'm going to go another route. And sometimes we do that on purpose. And then sometimes we do it accidentally. This priest should know better. Guess what? Levite is the same. And then it says this, okay? <laughs> then it says this, because I'm hurrying up here. It, it says this. And it says, a Levite also, when he came to the place, saw him pass by on the other side. There are two groups of people who are supposed to be good at this. See, the Levites served in the temple, man. They served what was happening in the church. They were raised to do it. And they neglected this guy. I don't know how many people out there... Deep down inside, the little girl inside the women, the little boy inside the men are crying out for help. But sometimes we go so fast, we look and we move away. Jesus knew this. <laughs> he said this to this guy. Now, I want you to understand what he's getting ready to do. He's getting ready to change the landscape. <laughs> because the next verse is this. 
The next verse is, but a certain Samaritan. Now, unless you don't know anything about history, unless you know anything about uh, the relationship between the, 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 the Jews and the Samaritans, there's some underneath here that it's a sad thing that our country has experienced. See, the Samaritan lives up north. And when he mentioned the word Samaritan, you know what that meant? That these people were seen as half-breeds. And that the Jews really didn't like them because they had interbreeded, they had intermarried, and they became traitors to the nation because they had left Israel. And all of a sudden, they started marrying these pagan people. And the Jews didn't want to have anything to do with them. As a matter of fact, there was so much political pressure, there was so much racial tension, there was so much prejudice and stereotype between the Jews and the Samaritan when Jesus used that name. Boy, he changed the landscape. Because see, in those days, the only good Samaritan from some of the Jews was a dead one. And it's sad that you and I live in a country where people disagree so much they're even willing to kill each other. So don't think that this problem hasn't been dealt with back in ancient history. Don't think that God don't know what's going on. And it's sad that we can somehow judge each other by how long your hair is. Don't judge the brother, okay? Or where somebody comes from, or how much money you got. You know, or the color of your hair, or the kind of clothes that you wear. See, God is saying, church, I will not allow you to do that. That is not why those commandments were put together. Because deep down inside, you are created in my image. And my image is on you. And people are people and that'll never change. So when he says Samaritan man, he got that guy's attention. Out of all the people who was not supposed to care. See, the priest was supposed to care and the Levite was supposed to care. But this guy who's supposed to really hate Jews was the one who began to show something. I'm going to show you what it is real quick. It's only going to take me a couple minutes to read through it. But these are principles that you and I need to have. We got to have them. Because I tell you what, America is one step away from catastrophe. Man, people are angry. I live in a place where I got gadgets that mean I can have a relationship with a million people that I'll never see in my lifetime. I can say what I want and don't have to look in anybody's eyes. That's just where we are now. You know, privacy is gone. You know, and everybody is tweet, twittering, birding, whatever you want to call it. I'm techno-illiterate, so I'll just find a name, okay? And as soon as some shoot across the airways, everybody's got an opinion about it. And I can say whatever I want with no relationship with you. And all God is saying, we can take one step towards reconciliation if we just do what this guy is about to do. So I'm going to take a few moments. And the person that was supposed to do it didn't do it. And the one who was supposed to hate turned the tables, turned it, just turned it. You know, I've been married for 38 years. And every time my wife tells me to do something, I can, I got a decision to make. <laughs> We're not going to go there, but I got a decision to make. Okay. I can say, yes, love, whatever you want. 
or my attitude can be totally different. And all America has to do, because she knows better. The, 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 the Constitution is compatible with the Ten Commandments. Now, before I show you this, all you have to do is go to Washington, D.C., and look up at the apex of the state building, and you see images carved into the Capitol. You'll see it. And there are great men all looking at one figure from the right to the left. And the center figure is Moses with the Ten Commandments. That's how your country was founded. And we have gotten away from those principles. But there's hope. There's hope. Let's read this so we can close. Okay? This is my first closing. Alright? Here we go. It says, but the first Samaritan, it says, but a certain Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, the first thing he did, number one, was felt compassion. You know what he did? He wrapped himself around that guy's emotions. Because true neighboring says, I'm not only willing to sympathize with you, but I'm willing to empathize with you. Co-passion. Compassion. When somebody is hurt, may you hurt with them. First principle of good neighboring. Second thing he said he did real quick. He said, man, he what? He, he bandaged his wounds. He poured oil and wine on them. You know what that says? That he took care of the guy's pain. He took care of his pain. Because, man, unless we learn how to manage pain, it's really hard to heal. And then the third thing he said he did, I gotta get going here. He said, look, he put him on his beast, gave the guy his Ferrari, you know, gave him his vet. I don't know if I'd do that. I don't love y'all that much to give you my vet, okay? Now that was funny. Y'all missed that one, okay? But, but my point is, he took his best and he gave it to the man. That's number three. And then number four, look what he did here. Look what he did here. It, it says not only that, but look here, man. He brought him to an end. Took him to the Hilton. Took him. And then he took care of him. Now, he just didn't stop there. He just didn't stop there. Now, this is what knocks it out of the park here. It says, and the next day he took out two dinero. Ladies and gentlemen, one dinero was one month's salary. God took out two months salary, gave it to the innkeeper and said, look at here, man, I'm going on a trip. And I know it's going to take this guy time to recover. It's called the healing process. I know that he's got emotional scars. He's got physical scars. But what we want to do is heal his spiritual scars. And look here, I'm going to be back in the next 60 days. Let me tell you something. I want you to know something, man. If what he needs be, you know, exceeds those two months, man, put it on my account. I wonder if we are able to put somebody else's crap disaster on our account. Man, just give it to me. I'll take care of it. Now, Jesus asked this guy a question. Now, you can understand what the lawyer is thinking of right now. 
okay? Jesus done done a good job of surgery on this boy's heart as he talks to him because he's not only talking to him personally, but he's talking to the whole crowd. And then he asks the question, here's what he says. Which one of those three you think showed neighboring to this guy? And then you know what the lawyer said. Yeah. And then he says it again. Go. Go. And you do the same. And so here at our church, we are trying to teach our people that. We're trying to tell them that the basis of the gospel is reaching out to people. Because that's what Jesus did and that's what he wants us to do. But in that reaching out, man, is to be a good neighbor. And sometimes when you reach out, you reach out into something that you didn't ask for. But you don't reach out because it's going to be good, nice, or indifferent. You reach out because that's what people do. That's what Jesus created us to do. And I just wonder if our nation could just get back to that. I wonder what would happen to America if everybody just be a good neighbor. I wonder what would happen. Because see, the four things about neighboring is that the first thing is this. That H stands for a hand of hope. A hand of hope. Like a good neighbor, state form is there. It's a hand of hope. That's what you do because you never know what another person is going through. Until you step into their world. What else neighboring does is that you give that person extra energy. So when that man went down and picked him up and put him on his bees, he was giving that guy's energy that he didn't have on his own so that one day he'd be able to get up on his own and get on his own bees. And then that L stands for leverage. See, when you and I do it together, see, as Coach Bobo go through some of his challenges and I get a chance to talk to him about that, I get up under there with him and we leverage, we, we bear our crosses together. Coaches do that together. Players do that together. Wives, husbands, we do that together. I don't take his cross from him, but he and I put our cross together and we just bring leverage. See, because Jesus not only does all the heavy lifting for us, but he also gives us low-hanging fruit. All we have to do is pick it. It's like Pam does for you guys. All you got to do is just eat it. It's good stuff. And then the P stands for piloting, pilot the potential of somebody else's power. See, when he gave them those two dinero. He said, I want this guy up on his feet, man. And I want him going forward in the things that God has blessed him. So, as we get ready to close, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up because we got to close and you guys are going to leave here. Uh, and you're going to go across and have some lunch. Got about five minutes before that. But then what's the, what's the message today? See, The point today is for you to look inside of you 
and to ask yourself a question. Okay. Am I being a good neighbor? That's the question you got to ask. Am I? Am I being a good neighbor to my wife? Am I being a good neighbor to my kids? Am I being a good neighbor to my husband? Am, am I being a good teammate to where I literally seriously care about the guy next to me? And in that neighboring, am I creating a sincerity towards him that I care? And I'm also creating a safe place for him to share with me if it has an opportunity within itself to be shared. And then can we get some strategy together so that when we find out what's really going on, we can have fun, we can do all of that. But let's get some strategy together so that as we become good neighbors, man, we can help some other neighbors. That's what God is calling all of us to do. And if everybody in their own cul-de-sac in life in America would do that, there would be a lot of problems that would be solved. So I'm going to ask our ushers to come forth. They're going to, you know, take up our offering. And then we're going to close. And I hope this message today encouraged you as an individual. But also encourage you as a team, as a family. That God says this. If you love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. You will be able to love your neighbor as yourself. And you won't make excuses. You won't try to get around it. But he'll give you the power to do it. Father, we thank you and we bless you. And we ask that your will be done. That you show us that even as we give today, it's just showing that we're good neighbors. So that somebody else might be blessed because you blessed us. And we just want to pass that on. So bless this offering. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 That maybe there's somebody out there who find themselves on a spiritual journey and they just don't know for sure whether or not they are going to heaven. <laughs> and maybe there's something you're thinking about. Maybe there's something you're just not sure of. Well, let me just say this to you. Heaven, it's a gift. It's free. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. Because the Bible says it's by grace that we've been saved. Not by works, so that no man might boast. And we find out that we're sinners, man. We cannot save ourselves. We found we fell short of God's mark for us. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it's the free gift of God through Jesus where it comes. And Jesus understood that, so what he did is what? He did something that you couldn't do. The Father hung him on the cross, and while he was on the cross, he took all of your sins, past, present, and future, man, and he put it on him. And he paid the penalty that God required. And he died, and he rose from the dead. And he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, so where I'll be, you will be also. And all you have to do is by faith is to accept the finished work of the cross and you will be saved period you can't do it on your own and so Father in heaven we thank you maybe there's somebody here today 
wants to just say yes. Because Jesus says, I publicly died for you. I don't want you to be ashamed of publicly saying yes to me. If there's somebody, all I want you to do is signify by just raising your hand and say, that's me. I want to receive him as my Lord and my Savior. Just throw your hand up. Name be written in the Lamb's Book of Life just like that. Anybody? I want to give you an opportunity. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Father, we thank you and we bless you. And we pray that that individual will begin to be a Bible reader, a prayer warrior, going to somebody's church, giving and worshiping, and ready to say yes to others and show others who Christ is. We thank you. We'd like to say welcome to the kingdom of God. Thank you so much. Let's give the Lord a prayer offering for that. Let's stand, let's stand, let's stand. Stand to your feet. Now, Coach, I'm going to pray for the food already. So when you go in there, you don't have to worry about it. Okay? So I'm going to pray for the food. And then I'm going to dismiss you. And then you just go right over. I want to stay on time. I didn't want Tom to look at me cross-eyed. Okay? So the first thing we do, Lord, is we ask that you will bless this lunch to our body. That it may be nourishment for us and fellowship. I know these men got to go out and practice later on. And that we may be good neighbors today, thinking about others. But we want you to bless this food so it would be healthy for us and so that we can spiritually grow and serve you in all our ways. So the food is blessed. We're going to sing this song. I'm going to give you the benediction and you're going to go right out of these doors and go right to my left and go get your meal. Sing to him who is able to do for above anything that you can think or dream of the one who's able to do that from generation to generation from church to church from everlasting to everlasting may God's blessing and his grace be on you for the rest of the day his name is Jesus and everybody say amen God bless you Food is ready for you. You can go.